Hi everyone, it's Ian from the LARP Noobs. You know, I've got a bunch of notes and um, talking points here, and it's just struck me that I don't actually know how to start this one. I'm recording a few weeks before the first event of the year for Empire. The LARP that we have sent in most of the podcast around was due to be held, and also a few weeks after the Withering Dark, the player event me and Dave were due to attend, which also had quite strong links to my backstory um, from my Empire character, Talis Ashbourne, a few weeks after that was due to be held as well. With neither event going ahead, and events extending to the future possibly being delayed as well, it's easy to feel pretty somber. It can feel a little selfish uh, to talk about these things and these opportunities that I'm personally missing out on, and while it's doubtless true, I think it's telling just how deeply I feel the loss of LARP. I've said before, but when I push myself into this hobby... I would never have guessed just how much it meant to me. It's a source of some release in my life, and also a place and a time where I can see people I love and meet countless wonderful and colourful characters along the way. I think in some ways, or for me at least, when it comes to LARP, I come for the adventure and excitement, but I stay for like the camaraderie and the sense of community. And I think if LARP's taught me one thing, uh, one thing that is probably a lesson I should have learned throughout most of my life, um, it's that when you don't know where to start, I guess it's best to just, just let yourself begin uh, to try and fail and fail and learn and hopefully learn and grow. Uh, there's this kind of creativity to LARP that by virtue of the hobby, everyone engages with, even if it's just on a surface level. It sort of reminds me of the joy of sort of seeing your friends and playing with Lego. Um, like I made something, a truck or a spaceship, maybe multicoloured, maybe asymmetrical, with bumps and angles that my collections of pieces can't hide, something like ugly and beautiful, something that I can take in hand, something I can whoosh around the room and crash into the floor, something I can join to my friend's thing to make bigger and weirder, something that's ours, something that I can create and share and play. That's the sort of thing that sort of LARP is to me, I guess. So I'm just going to sort of begin and go on tangents and talk about things in order or not at all. Um, this won't be one of those episodes where it really goes anywhere or probably says anything that I have not really expressed before. But it's a space to share with you um, some of the things. Maybe put a few Lego bricks down myself and see what kind of things you want to add to build from or deconstruct and use all the red bricks from to make a roof of that cool house you're working on or whatever it is. So I'm sort of doing this with prompts, but unscripted. And I think I want to linger on that sort of easy space, that creative space, that sort of LARP jazz rhythm of making things and finding a flow. Um, So I suppose beyond the initial impulse or need to go, it all sort of starts with the character that I wanted to play. And I think I've said before that I didn't really want to join Navarre the nation we're all part of when we first started. Um, It was not really the sort of look or vibe that captured my imagination, um, but I knew I didn't want to go alone, and all my friends kind of gravitated towards Navarre, so that's what I went with. I think in thinking back, my reasons for not wanting to join Navarre were were many-sided. I played this quite long D&D campaign as this character called Aaron Delanis, who was your typical kind of emo tiefling um, who was this 3.5 uh, edition class called a scout 
who had this very kind of wood-dwelling archer uh, with a splash of Celtic influences and a healthy dose, a very healthy dose of Robin Hood added in as well. So in my mind, I'd sort of done that guy. And that aesthetic of wearing green and leaves and being a bit scruffy was also pretty played out in my mind. And while I've in, always enjoyed those kind of um, Celtic influences, and I'm very aware, by the way, that Navarre is not just Celtic stuff, but I'm talking about where I was thinking as a new player, it's never really been sort of a look or a feel that's got me excited. I'm someone sort of wrapped up in the romantic image of the horse nomad, uh, the people from the Eurasian steppe, the Mongols certainly, um, but all peoples before them back the Scythians, the furs, the lamla, the silk, the bows, the melting pot of different kind of cultures, um, united, at least in the romantic version, by the bow and the horse, the centaurs, as settled people would have called them, that was kind of my visual jam. But now that I'm part of Navarre, I can't think of a nation that I would rather have been part of as a starting point for me, for, for Ian, at the point and the place where I was in my life at the time. I'm sure this would have been true, of course, for any uh, nation I joined, as there are amazing folks everywhere, but the woods, the fire, the songs, the stories, the fawns singing their way to the Sentinel Gate, and the Valorn that our oafs call upon us to destroy, is just intoxicating roleplay. And you know, when I sat down to create my character's backstory, before I even attended the first event, uh, the world that PD created, with its wealth of information, um, it just got me creating again. And that's probably one of the greatest gifts that LARP has given me for sure. Also, I want to thank everyone else who went with me, uh, Dave, the good and the bad, uh, and Bungle, who let me just go a bit wild for ideas for our kind of group backstory. Firstly, I wanted to come up with this way of explaining how we, as new players, would have no knowledge of the current affairs, or really anything, in the Empire as it stood. My first idea was this sort of wild, stranded on Skull Island sort of idea, where me and the gang had spent years marooned on some mysterious, uncharted place with deadly wildlife fending for ourselves um, before finally escaping and returning to the Empire. I emailed PD with that idea, who was like super polite and complimentary about it, and basically got back to me and sort of told me that it wasn't really going to work with their setting, which was totally fine. Um, I emailed them back and asked if they could suggest a place where it would be possible that we could have a sort of lost for some time sort of backstory. Um, and they responded... Um, with actually quite a few places, and it was a pretty helpful list of options. One of which was this place called Hordland, or Hordland, um, which meant shifting the whole idea a little bit, but it took it in a really cool direction. No longer were we marooned on some place that would never again feature in the movie of Empire. Instead, we sort of served as the Empire's spies, cartographers, explorers, and other such individuals only to be cut off, abandoned, and stuck behind enemy lines. Left by the Empire and hunted by the Jotun, a sort of honourable but deadly foe. So the Ashbourne sort of came into being in that environment, a striding created beyond the Empire, where Talus and Ifan and Keys and all the others we and our friends have played since then came together and made our cause. It started out as survival, Talus finding Ifan, 
left for dead in the ashes of a burning barn, untouched by fire yet near death. It became something more, a sort of guerrilla movement, where Talis met Telsa, uh, where he lost her as well. Talis became a leader, the chronicler of woes, who recorded the deeds of the dead as we spoke around the fire. Burn bright, brothers. Burn bright, sisters. Burn bright, my love. So that sort of typical tragic backstory stuff that me and Dave have joked about for ever. <laughs> but it was cool, and it was fun to create this kind of shared history that we all have. Something I found really helpful as well was this idea of setting up sort of rituals between us, sort of mini interpersonal cues that we share and that give us a sort of gateway into RP. I have this thing in my sort of daily life, something a bit lame, um, but I kind of enjoy doing, I guess. It's inspired by the opening battle scene in the movie Gladiator, where Maximus and all the other commanders are meeting before they set off their various positions in the battle. And before they part, they say to each other this kind of Roman phrase, strength and honour. That's just something that really stuck with me. I love the ritual of it, so that's what I say when I part ways with my friends as well. It just feels really cool, even if it's probably a bit lame and a bit nerdy from the outside, but it's just an Ian thing, I guess. Anyway, I wanted us to have something similar to that, a ritual with each other, um, where we sort of say goodbye, good fortune, and so on. Uh, So we came up with this idea of saying burn bright, which links in with our sort of group's beliefs, and is basically saying go forth and kind of kick ass and whatever it is you're going to be doing. Another mini vocal ritual that we have is our motto, which is sort of inspired by those Song of Ice and Fire house mottos, um, winter is coming, that kind of thing. Ours is from ashes we rise, from sorrows we grow. And it's funny, really, thinking about it. Um, As with most things in LARP, it's just sort of developed this sort of deeper meaning and significance and impact on my life, I guess. It's become a sort of accidental extension of that sort of try, fail, learn, try cycle I spoke about before. Um, It's funny how in LARP you can sort of rediscover those sort of truths that you always knew, um, but sort of lacked the courage to embrace. Um, Anyway, uh, (laughs) I think we each took this sort of germ of an idea, the Ashbourne, with us into E1, uh, and each each of us had a pretty loose idea of what we wanted our characters to be at the event. I think, ultimately, um, unlike a written narrative or even a pen and paper role-playing game, um, there's something inherently more real um, about a LARP character, You get to be that character when they laugh, spill their drink and stumble trying to put on their shoe in the morning. Um, Just as much as you get to be that character holding the line, uh, saying the words, doing the heroic or dastardly thing. You're not just a player at the table kind of considering these things, responding to these dice rolls. You're living those moments, big and small, as they happen. And living that life of moments inevitably moves you away from the sort of cliche pen and paper character concept uh, and moves you into some sort of emergence of your character and yourself. So Talis is a bit serious and moody, cold even at times, and plays that sort of mildly man of mystery slash wisdom vibe when I can and when I'm on it. Um, but most of the time he's light-hearted, kind, generous, loyal, 
even if those loyalties flow in a number of different directions. Um, he's those things because I guess I'm those things, or at least like to think I'm those things. I often put myself down a bit and say that I roleplay pretty light uh, and take the easy road on being to me in a given RP interaction. But in turn, and through virtue of that fact, that's just become part of who Talus is. And I can't say that I'm disappointed with the outcome of that. I have amazing friends and some good developing game that I've earned for myself along the way. Another thing, and I'm sorry to go off on another tangent here, but another thing I did when I first started was seek out a player from outside the initial starting group. Someone in a different nation who I could have some kind of seed of a story with. Basically, and purely because of Talus's backstory and the region I had him be born into, uh, and the neighbouring nations that border that region, basically the choice of nations to have links with became Urizen. Um, again, and I'm generalising massively here based on my perspectives as a new player at the time, reading the brief quite casually, um, but at the time, I don't think I was really into that whole kind of elfy, reserved, magic-y, magey stuff. So it's not something I probably would have picked had I not constrained myself in this way. But I'm really pleased I did, because Urizen and having them as part of my backstory and a place I can go and have interactions in has been really awesome. I basically remember kind of flopping onto the Urizen um, group as a total no-one with no idea of anything. And did the whole sort of first day at school thing, asking if anyone wanted to be my friend, pretty much. Um, that's when Callum, who plays Lanius, who I've mentioned a bunch of times on the podcast, um, stepped forward and invited me to have links with his group, the Crystal Skies. The basic idea being that my character's mother was from their group in Urizen, while Talus's father was Navari, cutting a long and suitably tragic backstory short. Um, Talus became estranged to his mother and resentful of her sort of apparent lack of interest in his life, and embraced the, you know, his Navari side at that stage. Now, upon the Ashborn returning to Empire, and Talus finally having some time to grow up a bit, he's realised that Urizen and the Crystal Skies have fallen on some hard times, and is basically seeking to make up for the aid he maybe failed to give in the past, uh, and all of that's in a sort of ongoing story. Anyway, setting this up with Callum, and having that one person and what essentially boiled down to one interaction and one skirmish alongside at my first event, that was actually a huge deal for me. Um, I've got this part of my game now in Urizen, that sort of nation I can go to, these characters and the people who play them, I can go there and celebrate their nation, and that's just something that's become really special as well. I think there are these sort of things that you set up or set out to do, and through the act of doing them, there are sort of outcomes that inevitably you can rift off. And that's all pretty obvious. But I'm not naturally a confident person. And to be honest, uh, holding a conversation with a stranger or putting myself out there is not a natural thing for me. But there are things I've done at LARP, at Empire, uh, that I've set out for, conversations I've sought, positions I've acquired, and relationships I've gained, which are all things that I've earned, things I'm proud of. Some things are epic and flattering, like being the guy who took down a herald and got called, even jokingly, the Hero Brickellian for a time, or getting the temporary nickname The One Navar um, by some of the folks in Urizen. Super flattering, super awesome. 
Other things are small and may seem nothing to other people, but they mean a lot to me. I've hosted a gathering of Navarches at our camp. I've taught multiple people how to brew potions. And I like to think I've become a reliable source of information on potions and herbcraft to various people who have sought me out and asked for my opinion. Then there are other things. Uh, I'm also a council member within the Atwine Paths where I represent my striding. I've spoken to the wearer of the Crown of Three Tears on topics of importance. I've written a book that gained me some renown. I've brewed Goose Whisper and I've told of the visions that showed me. Um, I've attended strange and clandestine meetings with questionable individuals and I've gambled more than I could afford with the mercenary company, the Seawolves, and I lost it all. Um, Talis has earned these things. I've earned these things. So the creativity of being a player at LARP is a huge thing of importance in my life, something I've really come to cherish. Then outside those moments of play, there have been those other gifts that LARP's given me. It's made me creative in my own life again. I was always labelled as a creative or artistic kid, whatever that means. Um, I sketched for countless hours, I dabbled with writing, studied graphic art and design at university and spent much of my teenage years and early twenties working on various mods and a whole bunch of different video games. I've attempted to make a whole raft of board games and card games and who knows whatever else. But I think years of insecurity, projects falling through and basically fear broke this part of me down. I still held a kind of creative desire, one that hurt from a lack of expression. Um, But apart from brief stints as a dungeon master or a player in a pen and paper RPG, they never really got any true release. Maybe it's because the move to go to my first LARP happened at the same time as a real-world move to a new house that needed quite a lot of work. But this hobby made me try things, things I was not any good at, or had never done before, uh, like making my own armour, which in retrospect was pretty poor, but I was proud of at the time and taught me a hell of a lot. I've become someone who actually makes things um, for the first time in my life. I would never have seen myself as the type of person who would make armour, but I've made three suits of it now, uh, and I'm working on a fourth. One faux level with aluminium plates, one steel lamnar which took months of painting each plate and attaching it together to work into a suit that I'm really proud of. And then I made a suit of mage armour for Dave in a few days, and it came out pretty okay. Now I'm working on a leather lamnar suit for my monstering kit, and I've made a leather helmet with brass embellishments to go with it, and that's bonkers. Another thing was writing that book I spoke about, The Alchemist at Ease a compendium of alchemical recipes and lore that I took from the wiki and reworded and reformatted before stitching and riveting together in fancy covers with ribbons and bookmarks. I made them for selling for IC coin and they sold pretty quickly and at an IC price that actually meant a lot to our group financially. Now I've made a whole bunch of resin potions in multiple different colours, with and without sparkles, uh, waterproof labels, battlefield safe containers... I'm really pleased with them, uh, combined with pots of herbs and other gubbins uh, that were once aquarium plants that I've snipped into bits and bedded into some lightly coloured resin in some fancy containers, plus a box that I bought as a sort of cheapo essential oils container and then stained and felted and padded and added fancy handles to. Talis has got this whole alchemist setup 
that I've made for him, and it's crazy. There are other things as well, like a sash I've made from some nice green curtain fabric, and I've added these iron-on metallic green embroidered patches in the shapes of thistles too, which I've then trimmed with this cool Indian-style ribbon, the types used on saris, and I think collectively this sash kind of breathes uh, life into this image of a more fancily dressed talus. That's been another thing that's changed over time. Playing talus and doing things on the field has made me want to evolve his appearance to match who he's become. Someone who has grown a little bit of a taste for some finer things, who is not all about that kind of scruffy Navarre stereotype, though is still certainly a bit ropey by any outsider's standards. Fancy Pants Talis uh, started out as a kind of jab and a joke, but it's become a thing I want to sort of manifest. It's something I want to create. It's something I want to achieve. Then there are other things, things that I've created as a result of LARP, things that aren't physical. I've written three songs, none of which I performed, but, <laughs> you know, I'm getting there with my courage. I was really hoping to have done my Urizen one at the player event that we were going to, but it will wait. Um, I've written icy letters, and I should also say that I've received some incredible ones as well. And, and stuff like that is in itself really crazy. People actually taking time outside the event to want to say something to my character, and the fact that Talis has something of value to send back to them. Then, of course, I suppose quite naturally we come to the podcast, which I really have to thank Dave for in terms of putting it forward as something we should do. This, and being able to talk to all of you and share our ramblings uh, with you, it's been awesome, mind-blowing, really. I read this review someone posted up on the Empire Forum a week or two ago, and yeah, it's really humbling and hard to know what to say other than thank you so much. Um... The podcast and what it's become for me, well, it's got real value to it, like, for me as a person, like, how it's made me see myself, what it's made me believe I'm capable of, it really means a lot. The history episode I put together was a massive job for me, but I did it, and the fact it seems to have gone over quite well, and that people seem to want more, is really amazing. Um, But I'm not sure if many of you are finding this, but in spite of having quite a lot of time lately... I've actually found it hard to do the things I said I would do. So I have to confess that the next history episode is still barely begun and still quite some way off. I suppose this episode now is supposed to in some way be an apology for that. I can tell you that I've been reading and researching a lot uh, and that I've managed to get hold of some pretty awesome and exciting background material that I hope will make the whole thing a unique experience. Um... I've written two false starts of a few thousand words, um, but I'm liking where the current version is going far more. So it's coming, it's just very slow, and I'm sorry about that. Also, because of the nature of the show, can we call it a show? Um, But because of the nature of it and what me and Dave do, it's really all about the experiences and impressions we have returning from events. Obviously that's something that's going to be a bit delayed until things resolve. Um, Dave also had a bunch of interviews and so on lined up and we're seeing what sorts of things we are able to do with remote options we like to try and keep a reasonable audio quality um, if we can and there are other challenges and things as well Um, but we'll keep you posted on things as they happen it's not normally something we do or bring up but I'm sort of viewing this as an opportunity to sort of speak with you all and hopefully offer you a friendly voice of one who laughs and knows your pain at this moment. 
Um, anyway, it's not normally something we do, but I thought it might be worth making you aware, if you aren't already, um, that we have a Facebook page. Um, just look up the LARP News podcast on Facebook. and um, We both actually post there quite a bit, uh, and we've both been streaming a fair bit, so there's some content from us you can find there. Take a look on Twitch for Dave the Larper, all one word, where you can find uh, Dave, and he's playing for a bunch of games, and you can find me via Ian the Larper, again, all one word, uh, where you can watch me doing some crafting, or as I call it, Talis Crafts Badly. We also try and put video versions of our podcast episodes and recordings of our Twitch broadcasts on our YouTube channels, which you can find by searching for the LARP Noobs Podcast, or the LARP Noobs Gaming, depending on your taste. Um, sorry if that sounded a bit corporate. Um, it's still a bit weird self-promoting. I should also say thank you to all the folks who support us on Patreon. Dave posted this recently on our Facebook group, but obviously as content here on the podcast may be coming a bit slower over the following months, we totally understand if any of you want to stop. And I suppose finally I wanted to say that I started off making this episode for myself really. Um, It was just important for me to sit down and make something, uh, to get something out there, which I hope had some kind of value for you all. Um, Even if it's just kind of a word of gratitude uh, where I can send you all my love and my thanks and hope that you guys are all safe and well. Um, So yeah, strength and honour everyone. Burn bright.